Well, turn to James 2, and we want to see it. Um, people always say James 2 says, faith without works is dead. Well, what does that mean? Let me, let me do this. Faith, what does it mean, faith without works is dead? Are we justified? And there's a place that says we're justified by works. Well, are we justified by works and not faith alone? How does, how does this work? And so we're going to look at James chapter 2. The part that everybody deals with is beginning about verse 14 on. But to really understand it, you have to understand the whole chapter. So I'm going to talk about the chapter, and I'm going to go quickly through some parts of it. I just want to have it where you can see it. And if we have time at the end before we break to go to grow group time, if you've got questions, we can do that. So James 2, faith without works is dead. Okay, what in the world does that mean? So let's talk about our message. Let's talk about our gospel message. We know that the message is that Jesus died and rose again. The response is to believe in him, Romans 1.16, and the offer is eternal life. I didn't put all the verses up there, but we know that we would say to somebody, based on John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his son to die and rise again, that whosoever would believe, that's the response, would never perish but have everlasting life. That's the offer. So the bottom line is, the, the truth of it is, is that salvation is a gift. It's not works. It's not what we do. It's not our faithfulness. It's not our service. Now, the Bible goes on to say in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it's, it's works are not for salvation. He says, by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, to get to God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We know in Ephesians 2, 10, we're created to do good works, but that has nothing to do with salvation. It doesn't prove salvation, doesn't any of that. So when we start getting to James 2, most people will come up and say, James 2 is called the test of faith, that if you don't have faith, if you don't have good works, you don't have faith, and if you don't have faith, you're not a believer. So they'd say James chapter 2 says, if you don't show good works, it shows you're not a believer. Some people would come up and say, well, it it just shows uh, that if you, you, you don't you don't make it to the end. If you don't make it to the end, you either lose your salvation or you never had it. What we're going to see is as we study James 2, and we already know that the moment you believe in Christ, you're saved and saved forever. So it, this is not this issue. And he's writing to believers, and we'll talk more about it in just a second. But James is writing to believers who are going under persecution, and he emphasizes two big things. He says, don't show partiality and show your faith by your works. That's what the book, that's what the letter's about. Now, he's writing to believers, and we'll talk more about that in just a second, but his, oh, he's writing, and, and let me throw something out. When people say, faith without works is what? Dead. That doesn't mean there's no faith. It means it's a dead faith. That's the key. So I want you to think about that. So let's look at this. Who is he writing to? He's writing to believers. He's writing to believers, and, and by the way, He calls them brethren, believers, 11 times in this short letter. So you could tell he's not writing to unbelievers, he's writing to believers. And the second big thing is the key is that you show faith by works. He's not saying that if you don't have works, you're not saved. He's saying if you don't have works, people can't see your faith. I mean, how are you going to see people's faith? And we'll talk more about it in just a second. The, the, the chapter or this chapter of this study is divided into two big sections, verses 1 through 13, verses 14 through the end of the chapter, which is basically verse 26. Let me give you the first part. Here is James writing to believers, and here's what he says. He says, I don't want you to show partiality to one another. Well, think about it. Do, do people ever show partiality? Somebody comes in and they're poor. Somebody may not overlook them. Somebody, you know, that's the way it is. Well, in this, he uses the example. He says, what if you're at church and a rich man comes in and you can tell he's rich because he's rich, and you say, get this good seat right here. 
But a poor guy comes in and you say, maybe you could sit way over there in the corner, maybe by the wall, and maybe don't even have a chair, just sit down. And so James writes and says, if you do that, you're showing partiality to believers. And that's a sin, and that's wrong. And he says this, he says, uh, what if a man comes in your assembly with gold rings and dressed in fine clothes, and then a poor man comes in in dirty clothes, and you say to the guy in the good clothes, get a good place to sit. And you sit, sit down there or down by my footstool. In other words, sit on the floor. He says in verse 4, have you not made a distinction among yourselves? And you become judges with evil motives. You're judging believers. You're showing partiality. And then he goes on to say, verse 6, you've dishonored the poor man. And then he says in verse 8, if, however, you're fulfilling the royal law, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you're showing partiality, you're committing sin. So he says this, if you love everybody and treat them the same, you're 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 loving your neighbor as yourself. If you're showing partiality, that is a what? A sin. It's wrong to show partiality. He's writing to believers, and, he, and apparently, maybe some of them were doing this. We don't know. So then he says, now, so watch carefully what he goes on to say. If you show, verse 9, if you're showing partiality, you're committing sin, and you're convicted by the law as transgressors. And then he talks about trying to keep the whole law and everything like that. Verse 12, he says, so speak and act as those who are judged by the law of liberty. The law of liberty is not the Mosaic law. It's the law of loving your neighbor and loving God. And he says, so do the right things. And then look at verse 13, because this is the key. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What's he talking about? What judgment? Judgment in the life of a believer who has what in his life? Sin. If, he's, if, if the believer is showing partiality, he says, if you do that, that's sin. And if it's sin and you de- don't deal with it, you're going to be what? Judged. You're going to be disciplined. You're going to be disciplined by God. And then he says, see, verse 13, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. He said, if you don't treat everybody right, guess what? God's going to discipline you. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He says, if you do what's right, you don't get judgment. Okay, now that's the first 13 verses. And he's saying judgment and discipline. If you go against the word, they're going to be disciplined. Have we seen that same thing in Hebrews chapter 6 and and chapter 10? If you go against the word of God and you don't deal with it, what's God going to do? It's going to discipline. That is what happens to you right now if you have sin in your life and you continue to go against the word of God. What's God going to do? He's going to discipline whom the Lord loves. He chastens every chastens and scourges every child he receives. Now, so he says this. Now get the flow. If you show partiality, that's wrong. And when you do what's wrong, God will discipline you. Okay. Now, as he moves to verse 14, this is not a different letter. This is not a different anything. It's in the same flow. What did he just say in verse 13? For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. And then he starts verse 14 by saying, well, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? Save him from what? Discipline. We're not talking about eternal life salvation. So I want you to stop and think for just a second. There are two kinds of justification in the Bible. That means there are two kinds of ways that you are declared righteous. Okay? Watch. 
There's justification before God. How are you justified before God? By faith. Whoever believes is Romans 4, 5, but to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So you're just, but there's a justification before people. And you know how it is? It's by works. And we're going to see it. So how am I justified? How am I declared righteous before God? Because I have believed in Jesus Christ and he declared me righteous. How am I declared Declared righteous before you by my what? By my works. That's all he's talking about. Okay. So he starts in, in verse 14. Look what he says. And, and this is one big flow. And look what he says. He says, now what use is it, my brethren? If someone says he has faith, oh, I'm a believer and I'm everything, but he has no works, you're showing partiality. You're not doing the right thing. Can that faith save him? Save him from what? Save him from what? What's the flow of the passage? You see, you can't pull a verse out of the context and say, uh, if you don't have faith, you don't get to go to heaven. That's not what it's talking about. What's the flow of the passage? Showing partiality, not living out your faith, not doing the things you're supposed to do. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, God's going to discipline you. He said, so what if you said, well, I have faith. I'm a believer. I, 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 I do the right things. Well, no, you don't because it says you have no works. Can that faith save you from discipline? The answer is what? No. No, it cannot. James said if we have faith and no works, can this save us from discipline? The answer is what? What's the answer? No. So then he's going to give another illustration. The first one was about partiality. This is about meeting needs. And watch what he says. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and be filled, and that you don't give them what's necessary for their body, what use is that? He said, so, so a, a person comes to you, and they don't have any food, they don't have any clothes, they don't have anything, and they come to you and they say, we need food and clothes, and you go, well, fine. Thanks, thanks for coming, but I oh, shut the door in their face. He said, you haven't done anything for them. Now, you say you have what? Faith. But you have no what? Works. And, and so you can't see the faith because they have no what? Works. So he says, go, go in peace. Be warm. Be filled. Be, but you give them nothing. So he says, what use is that? You didn't show your what? You didn't show your faith. I'm a believer. And I love Jesus, and I love people, and I'm going to do all the, the stuff that God wants me to do, and I've got faith and, and everything. And so somebody comes and wants something, and I go, sorry, click. Can you see my faith? No. How do you see faith? How, how are we justified before God? By how are we justified before people? By works. Okay, now that's what this passage is about. So watch verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is what? Dead, being by itself. Now, I want you to understand, dead faith doesn't mean no faith. It means dead faith. What is dead faith? Dead faith is faith without works is dead. Your faith without works comes out dead. The word Greek for dead is rendered inactive. It's not working. Let me give you the best illustration. So I get up, I go out to my car, get in the car, shut the door, crank the car, and it goes, oh my goodness, I must have a what? Dead battery. I go open it up, and there is my battery. So dead faith, 
means there is faith. A dead battery, there is a battery. Now, if I open it up and there's no battery, I say, well, I don't have a battery. No wonder it wouldn't work, right? But he didn't say there's no faith. He says there's a dead faith. And he's going to give another illustration at the end of the passage that talks about the same thing. So he says, uh, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. It's not working, being by itself. Well, and then he says, let's talk about it this way. Someone might say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Can you show me your faith without your works? No, you can't. You can't. That's his point. He's saying, you tell people you have faith, but then they come to your door and you don't do anything for them. You just shut the door in their face. And so your faith is what kind of faith? It's a dead faith. It's not working. It's not, he's not saying you're not a believer. He's not saying you don't have faith. He's saying your faith is not being lived out so nobody can see it. Faith without works is rendered inactive is basically what he says. So someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Okay, show me your faith without your works. The answer is, I can't do it. I'll show you my faith by my works. Can you do that? Yes. Then right in the middle of this, he answers, he's raised these, these questions. Like someone might say, well, yeah, but I have faith, but it, there's a different kind of faith. There's all different kinds of faith. And you got to have the right kind of faith. Have you ever heard people tell that? And so here's what he says in the next verse. He says, you believe that God is one. Well, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. And so the people say, well, the demons believe and they tremble. And it's because they don't have the right kind of faith. And the answer is, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know why the demons believe and tremble? Because the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and rose again, that he is the Savior of the world. They believe that. When the demons saw Jesus when he was on the earth, they said, O Son of God, have you come to judge us, torment us before our time? They tremble because Jesus Christ is not the Savior of the demons. He didn't die for them. He is not their Savior. He is their judge. So they do believe. They believe exactly the same thing you believe. They would say, Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again, and he offers the gift of eternal life to any human being who would believe. But he didn't provide that for angels, those demons, because he didn't. He's their judge and not their Savior. So when people come up to you and they say, oh, you just got to have the right kind of faith. No, it's not the right kind of faith. It's faith. Faith is taking God at his word. And then he goes in verse 20 to make it clear. He says, but are, are you willing to recognize, foolish fellow, that faith without works is what? Useless. It's the same idea as dead. He's saying it's not working. If you don't do what's right, nobody can see your what? Your faith. You can't see it. You can't see it. That's what his point is. And so think about the two illustrations. Rich man comes in, poor man comes in. He shows partiality. He's not showing his faith. He's showing partiality. And so God says, you're going to get disciplined. And, and you better do what's right. And then he says, well, what if somebody came and they were poor and they didn't have any money and they didn't have any food? And instead of showing your faith by giving them food, you shut the door on them. And so you show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith with my works. How do we show faith? By our works, okay? So that's all he's saying. Now watch what he's going to do. So verse 20, he says, 
Don't you realize that faith without works is useless? And the word useless there, no profit. It's not working. It's not working. Faith without works is useless. So now he's going to give two more illustrations. What was the first illustration that he gave? To rich person, poor person coming into the church. What's the second illustration he gave? People had no money and food and you shut the door in their face. Now he's going to give you two more illustrations. One's going to be Abraham and one's going to be Rahab. Now we all know Abraham, right? Abraham uh, lived in the Ur of the Chaldees and God came to him and said, Abraham, I'm, I want you to come to a land that I'm going to give you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll do all of this for you. And it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He was justified before God. How? How was Abraham justified before God? By faith. Exactly. Now, watch what this writer, James, is going to say. Was not Abraham our father, this is verse 21, justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? What in the world is he talking about? Was Abraham justified by his works when he offered up Isaac? The answer is yes. See, to be righteous before God is by faith. That's Genesis 15, 6. To be righteous before men, that's by works. Let me tell you what happened. God said to Abraham, your son, Isaac, the Messiah, will come through this son. He goes, hallelujah. That's wonderful. My son, through my son, will be the Messiah. Not too long after that, God says, take your son, Go three days' journey to a place called Moriah and sacrifice your son on an altar. What? If I kill him, how can the seed come through? And Abraham's so smart, he said, if I kill him like God tells me to do, God will raise him from the dead because that's the promise. So he gets his son and two witnesses, two witnesses, And they make the three-day journey. They get there. Abraham turns to the two guys and says, the boy, the lad, and I are going yonder. That's what it actually says, yonder. We will worship and we will return. He knew that he was going to kill his son and God was going to raise him from the dead. Who saw Abraham's faith? Those two guys. Those two guys. And so he made the trek up there. Uh, Isaac, you know, Abraham by this time was probably 115 years old and Isaac was probably 15 because he's 100 years older. If he had wanted to, he could have run away. He, he offered himself. He laid himself down. So his father's about to kill him. God stops it. Abraham goes, Whew, and then gets a wicked, and then, and then comes back. So Abraham, so watch what he says. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, a son? Was he justified by his works? Yes, he was when he offered up his son. And then he says, and the scripture, you see, faith was working with his works, and as a result of his works, faith was perfected. It means brought out, matured. And the scripture was fulfilled, which had already said, Abraham had believed God. It was reckoned to him righteousness. He was called the son of God, or the man of God. In Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him for righteousness. In Genesis 22, when he offered up his son on, on the mountain, he showed others he believed God. He showed his righteousness or his, his, his righteousness, his faith to those other people. So look what he says. So you see this. It worked. The results of his works, his faith matured. It showed he was a man who believed God. They could see he was a believer. Why do you think he took two guys with him? Why not one guy? Why two guys? 
Because under the Jewish law, well, not the, not the Mosaic law, but just under the whole idea of the culture, you had to have how many witnesses? Always have to have two witnesses. You can't just have one witness. So Abraham offered up his son, and two people saw it all. They worshiped, and they came back. And so look what he says, verse 24, and this is why people get so bent out of shape. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Exactly. You're justified by works and not by faith alone. You're justified by works before who? People, and you're justified by faith before God. This is what this passage is talking about. It's not saying if you don't have faith or if you don't have works, you have no faith. He actually says you have faith. You just can't see it if you don't do works. You want to be justified before people? Do good works. He gives another illustration. It's Rahab. Everybody knows who Rahab is, right? What, every time her name is mentioned, what's mentioned beside it? Rahab the harlot. Poor thing. She could say, could y'all not just drop that? I mean, think about it. And she, the spies, came in there. She hid them, saved their lives. She said to them, I believe your God is coming. I want you to save my whole family. I believe the God of Israel. And they basically watched her hide them and then let them go out another way. And they said, we see her what? Faith. We saw it. And so it says right here, look what it says. Uh, in the same way, verse 25, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the message and sent them out another way? How would they know she believed? She could say, I believe, and as soon as they leave, send the, send the soldiers right after them. She didn't do that. She said, I believe. And they went, really? And they, she said, get up here and hide. And they came in and looking for them. She said, I think they went out that way. And then they go out that way. And she said, you better stay here by the bushes over there for three days, and then you can go back across. And they said that woman was telling the truth. She believes. So was, was Rahab justified? Was Rahab justified by what? Works. Works. Exactly. Exactly. She hid the spies. She hid the spies when they came, told them she believed in the God of Israel, showed them this, hid them, sent them out. She was justified before people. Wow. So here's conclusion. This is the conclusion to this statement. For just as a body, or just as the body without the spirit is what? Dead. So faith without works is dead. Let me ask you a question. As the body without the spirit is dead, is it still a body? Listen, everybody, all of us in this room have had people we know pass away. And they've got this body, and then all of a sudden they die, and the spirit leaves. And we realize that that's not the, they're gone, right? But is there still a body? The body without the spirit is dead, but it's still a what? Body. So faith without works is dead, but it's still a what? Still faith. That's what his point is. A dead battery is still a battery. A dead body is still a body, and dead faith is still faith. You just can't see it. And so what is he telling them in James chapter 2? Listen, live out your faith There are people who are rich and poor and need help and all these things. And if you want to go around telling people how you're a a believer and believe in Jesus and and, and want to live for him, and if you're not doing any works, nobody can see what you're... Nobody can see it. Nobody can believe. So, with that in mind, James says, love others or God will discipline us. Show your faith by your works. Faith without works is useless. We're justified before men by works. We're justified before God by faith. Both Abraham and Rahab showed their faith by their 
work. So let me give you this, and we can open up for questions if you want to. So just as a body without the spirit is dead, it's still a body. Faith without works is dead, still faith. It's rendered inactive. It's useless. It can't be seen. It's not working. All right, so a dead faith is an inactive faith. It can't be seen. So let's understand the different types of justifications. We're justified before God by faith. That's exactly what we want. And knowing that a man's not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we're all justified by faith before God. But we are justified before men by what? By our works. This is what James 2 is all about. It's kind of a hard aspect, but that's what he says. So how will anybody know that you believe? How you live it out. Now, we're not saying you have to prove your salvation by your works. He's just saying, and he's saying in this, nobody can see your faith if you don't do anything. Second, let's live out our faith. Let's do it. Let's be like Abraham and then let's, let's do good works and let's love our neighbor because that's really, really the key there. Okay? And then last but not least, I wanted you to think about this. Let's understand the issue of the demons believing. Because there are people who will take that one verse out of context. They will pull the one verse out that says, even the demons believe and tremble. And they will tell you that you have to have a certain kind of faith in order to be saved. And uh, demons have faith, but they're not saved because they don't have the right kind of faith. And they'll tell people, I hope you have the right kind of faith. And, And people never know if they have the right kind of faith. What do the demons believe? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God? that he is ultimately going to do what? Judge them. They can believe in him all they want to, but they can never believe in him as Savior. They believe in him as judge. Okay, I think that's... Yeah, okay. We got just a few minutes. Anybody got a question or anything before we break for, for, for grow groups? Faith without works is what? Dead. You're justified before God by... You're justified before men by works. That's it. That's that simple. And when people come to you and they start telling you that if you don't do good works, it proves you're not saved, just say to them, if you don't do good works, it proves that your faith can't be seen.